0: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen. You are locked on Nuggets. Your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Play Sir. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Caners in the building. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. the show. What is up everybody, welcome to the Lockdown Nuggets podcast, part of Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host Adam Ades from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we've got lots of good stuff on there, and we are, this Nugget season... Really taking off or uh, are, are really coming down to the wire in ways I didn't really expect. Obviously, the Yusef Nurkic injury in Portland changed the equation a, a little bit. But I kind of thought, especially after that Charlotte game and just some of the effort and and the way that that game unfolded, I thought that you know the Nuggets probably weren't going to bounce back. But now they they bounced back with two just really, really gritty wins, shorthanded. Um And just a lot of new... Uh, Basketball so fun. The NBA so fun. There's so, like new storylines popping up with this team that I didn't anticipate. And we're going to get to some of them here in this episode. Um, to start off, these episodes uh, always follow sort of a recap of the game. Not necessarily a recap, but more of a just sharing my notes from what I saw. I was at Stiff's Night Out tonight. Uh, kind of a, a smaller crowd for our Stiff's Night Out, which I kind of expected between the weather and the Nuggets kind of... Uh, you know, being with their back against the wall and a new location. I kind of expected it, but still a really, really good time. I had fun with the people that showed up. And then when this game got close down the down the wire, everybody kind of was standing up and it's like everybody got out of their seat and there was this, like, fun, nervous en- energy to watch the the closing moments. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, big appreciation to everybody that came out. Lots of fun always to getting to meet people. The ball uh, – the ball was popping tonight. It was uh, this was a good passing night. Nuggets finished with 31 assists, but even right out the gate, I thought the Nuggets had did a good job of getting the ball moving uh, more often than not. Jamal Murray uh, to start the game, you know he with Jameer Nelson out. One of the cool storylines that's emerged is this dual. Uh, youngster point guard backcourt with Jamal Murray and Emmanuel Moutier. Jamal Murray got the start, and he had two turnovers in the first three possessions. I think the same thing was true in the Miami game—a couple, a couple turnovers early. I think this this game really made me think of how. <laughs> You learn something new about the NBA every year, at least I do as a fan, and the thing I've really learned over the last two years is just how hard it is to play the point guard position in the NBA, how much pressure there is, and how much a player can be very talented and have all of these skills and have those skills sort of hidden by the burden of having to, to do point guard duties, not necessarily make shots or make nice moves, good cuts, play good. But but actually be a point guard and get the ball where it's supposed to go and keep everyone happy. And it made me think, with Emmanuel Moutier, imagine if he would have had the role that that Jamal Murray has had this year, uh, his rookie season, where he comes in, he's coming off the bench, he's not really expected to play uh, any minutes, and if he does play, it's like there's no pressure. And, you know, with injuries, then he gets forced into the starting lineup and and starts to play. Uh, I just think it, it takes the pressure off, because watching Jamal Murray tonight, and really last night, my thought was... He really isn't a good point guard um, right now. In fact, he's a pretty awful point guard. I would say. Uh, I still think he's a great basketball player. I'm still. I'm, it's not like I've lowered my expectations or anything on him. I think he's a stud. I'm pumped that the Nuggets have him, but I just think that the point guard part of his game is not is very very raw and it's going to be a slow developing thing. But lucky for him, at least this season. We haven't just been focused on the point guard stuff. We've been focused on the fact that he can get hot, the fact that he finishes through contact, uh, cuts so well, has developed a chemistry with Jokic. And actually tonight I thought he had a good chemistry with Plumlee. But it's just nice that we get to judge Murray the basketball player, not necessarily Murray the point guard. And I, I really do think with Moutier a little bit, we're judging him as Moutier the point guard, which it's just such a tough position to play and uh and it's just a little bit different but he but Murray came out tonight and I thought he had a couple really really bad passes i and i think he looked raw really throughout the entire night although he did have a couple of really nice pick and roll uh moments uh, especially with Plumlee later on in the game um and he had a solid game all around i think what did he finish with uh in the assists five rebounds five assists such a good he's such a good rebounder for a guard 16 points five rebounds five assists on 47% shooting Solid night, but the start I thought was a little bit shaky. The Nuggets. One of the themes of this podcast, you'll notice I always have these certain like things I always bring up. One of them is double high screens, and they're going to be brought up twice in this episode because I think there's two interesting stories. But one of them in the first quarter, the Nuggets ran double high screens kind of on accident. And what I mean is, they did. It wasn't like they called double high screens, but they basically got the uh, effect of double high screens in that they had Gary Harris had the ball with like nowhere to go. He handed it off. I don't even remember who it was, but he kind of handed it off at the top of the key and then set a ball screen. And then Jokic was coming up, and he just did that kind of as a, I have nothing to do here, let me get rid of the ball and kind of get out of the way, but he passes, sets a ball screen, and then Jokic followed right behind because Jokic was actually coming up to set the ball screen. And Gary Harris kind of beat him to it. So what happened was you ended up getting the Gary Harris ball screen, then the Nikola Jokic second screen. So it, it worked just like a uh, a double high screen. And then when Jokic rolled, he was wide open to the rim. They didn't hit him, but he was wide open with nobody there. Uh, they missed it, but what happened was he was so open that the weak side wing sunk down to take it away. If they would have hit him right away, it would have been a layup. But they sunk down late and took it away so they so the nuggets threw a skip pass to a wide open jamal murray and he knocked it down and i thought it was so funny because that was basically a double high screen action just by accident and it produced a wide open three-pointer it actually produced two open looks on one possession one for Jokic and one and one for murray i'm gonna harp on this because it's been kind of the thing i wrote about charlotte at the start of the year and notice that they just ran it every single time they would run these double high screens and how it was kind of like their early action just to kind of stir the pot and I really think that five years from now every team is going to be running double high screens like quite a bit you think about how the league has evolved into a pick and roll league um, because the pick and roll we got these dynamic point guards and scorers and And guards can do all these different skills. And it's kind of in the paints opened up. You've got three-point shooters. It's a pick-and-roll league now. Whereas maybe 20 years ago, the pick-and-roll was just like something you did on occasion. But it wasn't the thing you did almost every play down court, um, different ways to run pick-and-roll. Well, I really think the double pick-and-roll is kind of the next evolution of that. Because it's just so impossible to guard when you have skilled players. And by skilled players, I mean you stick two shooters in each corner. So now you have this like gravity where the help side can't can't come off of the corner cuz that's such an efficient shot to to score from. And then if you bring your two bigs that are skilled up top, it's just there's so many different wrinkles and 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 different things you can do out of out of that action. And the Nuggets did it by accident got a wide open look. I thought it was cool. Wilson took over in the second quarter again. And this is... (laughs) It's funny because one of our complaints or one of my biggest complaints has been Malone in the rotation. And my thing with Wilson, I think Wilson Chandler is... I've I've been a huge advocate of his. I've gone on record saying I'll always cape for him. I get why some people don't like his game. I think Wilson Chandler is a litmus test for how well the team is playing. And what I mean is... Wilson Chandler's the kind of guy that when the Nuggets are playing bad or, or not playing bad when they're playing, um, when they're not optimizing their possessions on, on the offensive end, then Wilson's a guy that looks bad. Um, meaning if the ball's not moving, if, if guys are doing, if people are out of position and not spacing the court properly, Wilson's game kind of goes to hell. And if you are if the ball's moving and people are cutting it, but but staying, it's not just cutting because sometimes this is a big thing I want to stress. It's not just about constant movement. It's about it's about keeping the spacing of the paint open and and um uh, and knowing when to cut and the angles to cut so that you don't clog the paint. And when the ball's moving and guys are doing that, I think Wilson's a phenomenal player and he kinda because I think he's a high I, I think he kind of understands angles and he's such a mismatch. Well in the second quarter, I, I say all that to say that over the last two games, I feel like the Nuggets have had great spacing I feel like they've had great ball movement, and it's no surprise to me that Wilson has looked so so good over these last two games, because I really do think that's his game. But he took over in the second. I think he had 14 points in like his first five minutes on the court, which is absolutely dominant. He's so good at attacking undersized players, and... That's a that's its own skill. Um, I, I've always said because I was a post player, even though I'm only six, only six five, six six, somewhere in that range. I was always an ins, I was always a post player or elbow player, and I always said I loved going up against guys that were like six eight, uh, lumbering, slow. Because for one, you get the benefit of the doubt when you're the smaller guy in a matchup. Uh, it just like refs let you get more physical with the bigger guy than the bigger guy get physical with you. So I always liked that. And then I always hated when a guard would get switched on to me in the post because guards have this like, you know, they're quicker, generally speaking. They kind of have these crafty moves, but they also can crowd your space and make it really hard for you not to give an offensive foul uh and so I've always hated when an undersized guy JJ Barea in the 2011 finals is always the example I give everybody's like why can't LeBron post him up and it's true LeBron really didn't know what to do in the post against Barea but Barea also did the classic thing that I hate which is he would just crowd the space and then kind of throw his arms out like oh he hit me well yeah he hit you because you stuck your face right between his armpit and like what he had nowhere else to move So I I say all that because Wilson Chandler is a guy that's really, really good at this, actually. He's really, really good at posting up undersized guys because what you do in those situations is you can't just, like, use your size and mow them over. You get the offensive foul. But if you're patient and in control, it's almost like you kind of inch your way towards the basket or you inch your way to getting the defender off balance or to, like, commit to one side. So, like... If you're trying to get them onto your left hip, you kind of inch your way to the left side till they jump to the left hip, and then you use the power because then you're not going through them. you're going kind of around them or, or around their shoulder. And, and Wilson's so good at that. Like he just he, he gets that mismatch. He doesn't mow through them. He uses a combination of strength and speed and, and these little movements to, to get to the rim. and he was just doing that every single time. Plumley. Mason Plumley finished strong tonight. Like he did, he had two dunks on pick and rolls, and it was so this is so key for him. I really do think this is going to be the thing that makes him sink or swim. One of the things that is going to make him sink or swim with the nuggets is how well can he finish and he 's so athletic that i don 't care if he goes for dunks every time and he 's like seventy percent on dunks. I would rather him just do that, which is a low percentage for dunks. I just think he has to get in the mind frame of. He's such a finesse player, but he needs to be a power player with the Nuggets in certain lineups. And tonight, I thought he did that. He got the ball in the roll and just went up strong. And nobody even challenged him, even though they kind of could have. But when a guy goes up strong, nobody wants to get dunked on. Nine times out of ten, or maybe eight times out of ten, the defense will just kind of get out of the way. And he he went up strong today, and that was just such an encouraging sign. Maybe he's listening to the podcast. Maybe Mason is a big fan of the Locked On NBA Network. But he had a couple of really good takes on the role. I thought uh, two games in a row now, Plumley has looked very good. And uh, that's great. He gives the Nuggets a whole different wrinkle. I will say the rotation, I, I do think that Plumley playing with not Barton and obviously not Fareed has been a good thing for him because he is good at kind of when you kind of run, pick, and roll with him and put the ball in his hands. And I think the Nuggets still don't put the ball in his hands very much. I'm sure he's getting much... Fewer touches than he would like, um, even on a per-minute basis, but I do think that uh, he'll get more and more comfortable, especially playing with more willing passers, and the Nuggets, especially the young guys, are just such willing passers, I think in part because they're smart players, and in part because they're a little bit afraid to over-dribble and do something stupid, so it's kind of nice. Gary's passing, I'm going to talk about Gary Harris a lot because I thought this was a great Gary Harris game, but Gary Harris's passing off of the dribble has been so impressive this year. The leap Gary Harris made from his rookie season to his second season was just massive. And the leap he made from his second season to his third season is just as massive. I mean, if he has another one of these, I don't know. I He's already as good of a player as I would have guessed he would ever be two years ago. So um, if he makes another leap, the thing I would say is I think he's actually made a leap in the season this year. Like, during over the course of the season, I think he's a better player now than he was in December. And part of that is his... He's become much more comfortable as an off-the-dribble scorer and an off-the-dribble passer. And equally as important to that is he knows that that's not his bread and butter. That's the seasoning. His bread and butter are his cuts to the rim and his shot. But he's really mixing in these off-the-dribble playmaking. And it takes the Nuggets to a whole other level, especially when they're shorthanded. Tonight he had an, a, the pass he threw to Moutier in the second quarter where he drove, I think he shot fakes, drives right, gets right underneath the rim, and then drops this bounce pass to Moudier right in stride as Moudier's cutting to the rim. It was just a thing of beauty, and he had a couple of those tonight, a couple of just really great passes. He had five assists. Twenty. Listen to this stat line. 23 points, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals. And by the way, those steals were like clutch steals. Gary Harris just was a monster tonight, and he's become a monster. I think... You look at this Nuggets team. There's so many guys that I that you kind of, as a fan, you kind of fall in love with just their skill set and even personalities and all this stuff. And I think Gary Nikola Jokic is obviously the guy. That's I think everybody loves Jokic. There's not too many Jokic haters out there. Uh, I think he's a pretty easy to root for kind of guy. But Gary Harris might be my. You know, he might he's definitely the second for me at least personally. He's definitely my second favorite Nugget, and it's a close second because I just really like. He's a no-nonsense type player. There's not – he's not – it's not that he he plays boring, but he's just not flashy. He's not out there doing step-back turnaround jumpers or anything like that. And, and thank God he doesn't because he's just so efficient in what he does and he's adding pieces to his game. But as he adds them, it's not taking away from other parts of his game, which I think is kind of a rarity to be quite frank. A lot of times people will add something to their game, but they it takes them a year or two to kind of figure out where to mix that in. He's just been so good at, staying, at adding parts, but staying within the boundaries of, of what he should be doing. He had, I think, four pull-up jumpers tonight, where one dribble, two dribbles, pull-up. Uh, and, <laughs> again, I don't want him taking those all the time, but, gosh, it's so nice that he actually has that in his arsenal. If he can continue to develop that, that's going to come in huge especially for fourth quarters if gary harris can become a threat for the one dribble pull up or come off of the the uh pick and roll and pull up you know even mildly contested that's just going to take the nuggets to a whole other level in years to come so i'm so high on gary harris he's made two huge leaps if somehow there's a whole if he makes a leap similar to the one he has now for two summers if he does that again next year I mean we're legitimately talking about an all-star caliber player. That that's how that's how much of an improvement he's made in two seasons. Third quarter, uh the highlight for me was the second half or, the, or kind of to close out. Uh oh actually I'm sorry I skipped ahead to fourth quarter. Uh Solomon Hill third quarter just on fire. He was on fire the entire game and he had five threes, five of seven tonight shooting. That is his second most three-pointers in a game all year. He had six against Houston, uh, six made threes against Houston earlier in the season. But it just seems like it always happens to the Nuggets, where a guy gets hot that's never hot, and Solomon Hill was that guy tonight. Five of seven. Third quarter, I, I, he, when he, when you go to halftime with a bad shooter making shots, you're like, okay, we're well, not going to make those in the second half. Well, he comes out in the second half and knocks down a couple, and you're like, oh, my God, this is just not Denver's night. Uh, and that's what it felt like in that third quarter. Jamal Murray has to get rid of those possessions where he dribbles the ball for 10 seconds, and he had a really egregious one in this game where he brought the ball up, and Jokic kind of came to get the ball out of his hands as in, like, just kind of early offense, like, hey, let's, let's let's get it moving, and he waved him off. He was kind of like, no, I got this. I don't know why, and he dribbled it for 10 seconds, and then, didn't, and then it was kind of like, ah, now let's run the offense. The shot clock is down to 14 seconds or something, and then the Nuggets make two passes and then kind of hoist up a shot he's got to he's got to cut those out the two things i think to simplify for him that i'm noticing is one those possessions where he over dribbles and two are the possessions where maybe he can keep his dribble alive because what he'll do sometimes is say he dribbles up the right side and he plans on passing it to the right wing well if a player really over pursues the defense event and and like denies that pass he has a tendency to pick up his dribble and then get stuck and so he needs to find this healthy balance where you pass it as soon as the, you're able to to get the ball moving and get the offense going, but at the same time you keep your dribble alive so that you can always reverse the ball to the other side of the court. I think I think the key to, to the point guard position, um, especially when you're starting out, is just to strip everything else away and just make it easy. Come down the court. If you're wide open, then take a shot. You know, look to attack. But more often than not, just try to get the ball moving. Get that first pass and allow the first like kind of screen action and, and, and reversal and stuff to happen. Don't necessarily try to make a home run play on the first play. I think that's that's kind of the key for Jamal Murray. The fourth quarter, let's move there because the three-guard lineup to me I thought was the coolest part of the entire game. And you think about the Nuggets' backcourt was very thin. The Nuggets' rotation was very thin tonight. They only played eight guys, and Kenneth Farid only played ten minutes. Um, so it was very, very tight rotation, but... The uh, three-guard, the backcourt is especially tight because you've got Jamal Murray, you've got Emmanuel Mudiay, and you've got Gary Harris, and you really don't have anybody else that can play the two um, You know, without getting really, really creative. So you kind of figure that you were going to rotate those those three guys in and out. Well, Malone got crazy. He got a wild hair in him, and when uh, Anthony Davis went to the bench in the fourth quarter, these huge minutes where you've really got – you know whoever takes a lead early in the quarter usually has the momentum – uh, Malone got gutsy, and you have to tip it to him, his, your hat uh, to him because he went with Jamal Murray, Emmanuel Mudiay, and Gary Harris. Three really short guys—a very, very short lineup—and it worked. They got—I think they went on like an eight-zero run or something—and uh, all good looks. Emmanuel Mudiay made, made a great pass, kind of in that lineup, got the ball where it was supposed to go, and it was just a fun lineup. Gallo hit a transition three in that lineup. Plumley was out there. I just – I really, really liked that lineup for the way that they employed it, which was that fourth quarter kind of – it bought minutes for Jokic on the bench. It bought minutes for Wilson, who was in foul trouble. Um, so it was just a cool lineup, and and that was just such a key moment that got the Nuggets up by nine. I think they were up uh, nine, 109 to 100 or something like that at that point. I thought Moutier had a great stretch too in that, in, in that period – and not just from, like, a scoring standpoint. It kind of ended when he went for the dunk and got blocked. And you got to like his courage for trying to dunk on Cousins. But he wasn't anywhere close. That was, like, the easiest block Cousins ever had. Almost killed poor Moutier to, he fell down so hard. Uh, but that's fine. He was in attack mode. And I think those are the types of Moutier errors you live with. Gallo's rebound. Gallo was, again, clutch tonight. The only guy, I think, to hit two, re- two free throws, back-to-back free throws down the stretch. But... With three minutes left to play, uh, I think it was Jamal Murray took a very, very bad shot. And it, it, he was open, but it was one of those plays where it was the first pick and roll of the offense. He comes down. He wastes about five seconds just trying to slow it down. The Nuggets are nursing a lead with, as the clock's winding down with like three minutes, 15 seconds. And he takes a three. That was open. It's not a bad shot in the first, second, third quarter. But with three minutes left to go, maybe it's a bad shot. If you're trying to protect the lead, just kind of run some more clock. He takes the shot, and Gallo sprints. I thought Gallo had a few bad effort possessions. As good as he played tonight, I thought he really was coasting for most of the game. Uh, Part of that's just I think he has this nonchalant way about him. But he sprinted from like the short corner all the way over and just out-hustled everyone to grab the rebound. And that might have been the play of the game. It just given the circumstance, the momentum, the, the the score, all these things, the Nuggets were in that kind of do or die spot, and they needed someone to step up and make a play. And sure enough, he comes in and the very and he grabs that rebound, resets it, gets everyone to waste another thirty seconds, and then the, that on that same possession, it ends with a Gary Harris banked three, and that was just like think about what a swing that is from. Say New Orleans gets it and comes down and scores. To no Denver gets the rebound and gets a three and wastes thirty seconds. That's just an enormous swing. And quite frankly, I don't think Denver wins if he doesn't make that play. So to me, that was there was a lot of big plays. But I think Gallo deserves kind of the play of the game for that rebound, that hustle rebound. Lastly, I I mentioned I was going to talk about double high screens again, and I want to talk about it because the Pelicans tied the game with thirty seconds to go, and. everything was looking bad for the Nuggets at that moment. And they tied it off of none other than double high screens. I'm telling you, I love this action, and I don't get it. Dallas runs it all the time. Charlotte runs it all the time. Uh, the Clippers run it all the time. I don't see, I don't know any other teams. I, I could be missing one or two, but I don't know any other teams that run it as frequently as those three. And it just, it just seems like a, when you have two, the more skilled players you have, especially skilled bigs, the more you can run that type of action. And they ran it kind of interestingly. They had, uh, I think, Boogie was the first screener, and uh, Davis was the second screener, and then Boogie popped. So he set the screen, waited a second. He didn't pop right away. He waited a second to time it, and then popped as Anthony Davis rolled. And what happened was Gallo was guarding Davis, uh, Plumlee on, on Cousins, and Gallo, since he was the second screen, had to kind of hedge out on Drew Holiday to make sure, you you know, the guy guarding him, I think it was Gary Harris, had to fight through two screens. So you figure he's trailing the play. So Gallo kind of shows just for a second. But then why double high screens works is because the two bigs have to communicate. The three people have to communicate and they have to communicate two conversations. Gallo and Harris had to communicate, which they did. He showed and then recovered. And then Gallo and Plumley has to communicate. So Gallo has to have kind of two conversations or two reads. And he made the first one, but he didn't make the second one. And both he and Plumley rolled to the rim with Davis, and it left Cousins wide open for three. And you could see, if you watch the replay, you can kind of see Gallo when he realizes, oh, crap, I made the wrong read. Um and get, and you have to give Cousins credit. He hit two huge threes, and that was one of them to tie the game. Great play. I mean, simple play design, but that's just why I love it so much. Think about this with Jokic popping and Kenneth Fareed rolling, or Jokic rolling and Wilson Chandler popping when he's playing the four, um, or Plumlee rolling and Jokic popping. And there's just so many combinations that I feel like work with the Nuggets. And the nice thing about actually with Plumlee and Jokic is you can run that double high screen and have either one of them pop, or you can run the double high screen. Sometimes teams will have the double high screen and then have one guy pop like a roll and then roll like half roll two steps and then roll back and set the back screen for the other guy. And it's just, there's so much confusion you can create in that look that, um, not that the Nuggets need pointers on offense; they had a 128 offensive rating tonight, so I don't think they need much help on the offensive end. But it's just an action that I love, and, and I'm curious to see if, if more and more teams start running it in the future. Portland lost; they lost to the Jazz. They got spanked by the Jazz, and they looked just terrible. We were watching that game as well at SNO tonight, and um, <laughs> I think the tour's open. I'm curious to see what the Nuggets. Uh, they got. They've got to beat Houston. They just got to keep winning. But it certainly looks like um, the Blazers are now – I I would be shocked if they ran the table, which means if the Nuggets run the table, I think they're in. I think if the Nuggets drop one, there's probably still an 80% chance they can get in if if they win all the other ones and lose one. I don't know if they can lose two. But they can lose one, and if they run the table, I think they're almost a lock to get in. So, very encouraging time. And given where the Nuggets were a week ago, I think you have to be encouraged. And uh, and now it sets the table for an interesting game tomorrow night and a very interesting weekend. Nugget, assuming the Nuggets win tomorrow night, even if they don't, buy your tickets Friday and Sunday. It's going to be the last chance to see the Nuggets either before the playoffs or until all the way until October. So, Buy some tickets to get there. Let's get Pepsi Center rocking, and let's cheer on this team as they try to finish up the home stretch. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review if you haven't already because it helps me grow this show, and I appreciate it very much. We'll see everybody tomorrow.